This is the Skyline SIV podcast. If you would like to connect with us, head on over to our website at skylinesib.com and follow us on social media at Skyline SIB on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you. Thank you, Emery. You had me at young. After that, I didn't hear anything else. You know, it's so good to see a young lady like Emery who grew up in church. You know, she used to call me Uncle, Uncle John. And then I became a pastor. It's just, thank you, Emery. It's so good to see you up here on stage as well. Wow. Good morning, Skyline. Good morning, wherever you are watching this from online. Good morning to you as well. We are here now going through... Oh, wait. Let's, uh, let's get the worship team. Let's, give, let's show some love to the worship team. They've been leading, you know, praise and worship for the last 30 days. And, uh, you know, just shout out to them. When you see them, just encourage them. They've been so great. You know, one of the things that I, I've been coming for every of the days, of the 40 days, you know, one of the side effects is that I cannot sleep past 5.30 now. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Wow, praise God. You know, we're going through a series on live sermon. When, when senior pastor, Pastor Philip, uh, briefed us, he said, bless the church with something that has impacted us personally. Simple, right? <laughs> yeah, Pastor Josh is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I asked God, God, give me something, you know, something that will, you know, something grand like, like Pastor Rich, generations, you know, to, to make people feel good and charge up. But, you know, God has other plans. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, when, when I was uh, preparing for another sermon for, for SM, for the Mandarin service, a passage that I was working on began to work on me instead. You, you know, uh, you know how, how it is that the passage, just like you, when you go to sleep, it was there. When you wake up, it was there. You know, it's, it, it's just following me. And it was the life of Peter, or more specifically, Peter's failures. It's as, as if God was saying to me, that's what I've been doing in your life. And I, and I, and I realized God is right. You know, I, although I like to be Paul, you know, Paul the courageous, fearless, you know, hang upside down in the, in the prison, still can write letter one, you know. <laughs> but I realized God is right. I'm more Peter. I am loud mouth. I am proud. I'm impulsive, I'm quick-tempered, I'm a coward, and I failed Jesus numerous times. <laughs> Thank you, brother! So here I am, because God is in the business of restoring failures like Peter, like myself. And if you think you have messed up, this is for you too. I've entitled this morning sermon, Are You Still Counting Your Roosters? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, that divides bone and marrow. Lord, today, not let your words not come back void, Father God, and let it hit where it needs to hit. Convict us, Father God, of your love, of your truth, Father God, and of your grace. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in your most precious and wonderful name. Let's start where Peter failed. Okay, right where it started. Right, this was at the uh, place where after the Last Supper, Jesus told the disciples 
that you are all going to stumble tonight because of me. Let's read this together, shall we? Let this louder than the first service. One, two, three, go. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Who is the day? The rest of the disciples. So, Peter basically put himself forward and he said, Jesus, I'm not like the others. Even if you have to die, I will die with you. You know, even if it costs me. And what happened after the arrest? Everybody scattered. Even our hero here. Let's, let's read on, shall we? One, two, three, go. But Peter followed at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest and he warmed himself at the fire. Let's, let's carry on. Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls saw Peter warming himself. You also were with Jesus, but he denied it. I neither know nor understand what you're saying. And the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and said, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said again, Surely you are one of them. Then he began to curse and swear. I do not know this man. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Scripture recorded that the chicken crowed twice, but Peter chickened out three times. Pun intended. He did try a bit, you know. He was the only one who followed behind when Jesus was arrested, although at a very far distance. He did try. Give him some credit but he failed utterly later on when he was challenged. You see, Peter had prided him as a man of integrity and courage, right? And in that culture, your word was your bond and your personhood. So when, when, when the foundation of his life was laid bare and he found himself a coward, he also, he also lost himself. He denied him, himself uh, uh, the, he, his very personhood, his very core. He lied, basically, to save his own skin. There was no integrity to speak of, although he thought of himself as a man of courage and integrity. Right? And furthermore, he was the leader of the disciples. He was, he was a career minister. You know? But did you know that if you read a little bit further, you will find that his failure was even worse than it seemed. Right? In verse 71, you just read, he was cursing and swearing. What was he cursing at? Or who was he cursing at? He wasn't cursing at the girl. He wasn't cursing at the Pharisee because, you know, that would get him into more trouble. He was cursing at Jesus. Do you realize that? He was cursing at Jesus, his master, to save his own skin, to prove that he wasn't his disciple. Peter was not just one of the 12 disciples. G Peter was one of the three 
inner circle. He was one of the three that's closest to Jesus and yet he betrayed Jesus. It was a truly personal and public betrayal. Now, I like this painting because it just captured everything about Peter's betrayal. There you have Jesus in the background and Jesus saw him and Peter saw him. They made eye contact and, Jesus, and Peter could not. And he looked away. And that was by the fireside. And he denied Jesus three times. What about the disciples? Whoa. They all said likewise when, when they said, if you have to die, we all die together. Look at the poster, like movie poster like that, right? Like Infernal Affair. Whoa. <laughs> right? And then, they all forsook him and fled. This is us. This is us. This is all the things that we said we'd do for Jesus but didn't. This is, said, this is all the things that we said we wouldn't do for Jesus and we did. This was us under pressure. See, Mark showed us that you don't have to be Peter. You don't have to be in a courtroom to be on trial like Jesus. Most of the time, our choices around the fire is where we will be tested. Around the fire when it gets hot from life's choices, everyday life. Are we the same when no one is looking? Are we also denying Jesus in ordinary life? Will we chicken out like, G like Peter did? Will we stand up for the truth no matter what the cost? You get the project if you just do this. Lah. Uh, I wouldn't tell them I'm a Christian. They wouldn't, they wouldn't understand this. Oh, I know I shouldn't go to the website, but you know, it feels so good going to the website. In any case, no one will know. I have my VPN on, I have my perfect, my, my browsing private mode on, and I erase my history. Nobody will know. Some of us have failed so many times that we've stopped counting our roosters. How did Peter come back from this particular failures? In fact, how does anyone come back from this kind of zero to become hero like, like Peter did later on? He became one of the greatest apostles. Do you want to know? Are you, are you there with me? Are you following me? Or have I been hitting the right spot? God's been hitting the right spot. See, Peter was truly healed. How do we know that? The whole Gospel of Mark Okay, proves that Jesus, uh, Peter was healed. Why? Because Mark was basically writing a historical account. Right? Now, when, before the, when the apostles started preaching, okay, before it was written down, there were still a lot of people at that time, a lot of eyewitnesses still alive that both saw Jesus and both saw His miracles, both saw His resurrection. People like Bartimaeus, People like Simeon who carry his cross. People like uh, Simeon's son, Alex and Rufus. It's all written down there. Okay? These were eyewitness. You could not bluff people even if you wanted to. You could not stand up there and say something, but there were eyewitness around. It was only later on that these, these words were written down, inspired by the Holy Spirit into the Gospels that we know today. Alright? So, the, the Gospel of Mark was really the gospel of Peter. Why? 
because Mark was Peter's personal assistant. He, Peter was the one who told Mark what to write. Okay? And you, you, little details like Peter was in the lower courtyard, right, when Jesus was brought there. And Peter wept at the end when, confront, when, when he realized that the, the chicken has crowed twice. Details like that, nobody else would know because there was no one else there with him. Only Peter would know. Only Peter would know. Okay? And the other thing about it was that, okay, if Peter, when, this, when Mark wrote this, Peter was probably uh, the, 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 the leader of the disciples at that time. He was probably the, the, the senior pastor or the, the bishop of Jerusalem at that time. Okay? Only Peter could tell it like this. No one else would dare write it like this if Peter would not have authorized it. And if you think about it, if you were to start a new religion, uh, would you portray your greatest leader, your leader there as a coward who curses his own master? It is there because it is true. Mark was writing a true historical account. If you have to think about the authenticity of the gospel, this is one of them. Amen? Amen. But this passage proves that Peter was changed. Peter was changed from a coward to a faithful true witness by Jesus, the great physician. How? Would you like to know how? Would you like to know how? One word. Repentance. Jesus always heals through repentance. Repentance. You see, all of us have denied Jesus before. If you have not, wow, please tell me. All of us have wounds. All of us have to go to the great healer. All of us, this is for us. Let's read this. One, two, three. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, do you love me more than this? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time. Come, let's read loudly. Simon, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. In order for Jesus to heal us, Jesus, the great healer, has to perform spiritual surgery. Okay? Try and move it, do it in a very simple way. First step in a surgery is what? Have to open up. Right? Open up. Jesus had to have to, you, you, God cannot do anything unless you open up to God. What does open up mean? Open up means this, taking responsibility. Taking responsibility, face your failure. Do not run from it. Be still, face your failure. Look at what you've done. Name it and own it. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming your circumstances. Stop blaming your wife. Stop blaming your mother-in-law. Stop blaming the dog. Stop blaming anything. Stop blaming your circumstances. You 
face it. You cannot repent until you start to take responsibility for what you have done. No, no, no buts, no excuse. Peter denied Jesus three times around a fire. Jesus asked him three times, also at a fire, on the beach. Over breakfast. I was joking this morning, the first service that, you know, breakfast is one of the best times to do ministry. See, Jesus had, had confirmed it. Breakfast. If you need to do ministry, please uh, get me to breakfast with you. <laughs> joking. <laughs> Jesus sat down with him and retraced with him his painful journey. Almost brutally. Asked him three times, do you love me? Three times, Peter just broke down. And he says, Peter, uh, Jesus, you know, I just love you. You know, one of the great things is this, when you are ready to open up, God will meet you where you are. God will meet you where you are because God knows what you need. If it was around a fire, He'll come you around the fire. God will know what you need. God is God. Amen? Hallelujah. And after you open up, you need to do what? You need to expose the tumor, expose the sin. You need to retrace the failure. You see, when Jesus, not that, nah, Jesus, when Jesus spoke to him, nah, Jesus said, why did you lie? Why, why, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why, ah? why, why, why? Jesus, no, Jesus said, ah, do you love me? Okay. See, what was the actual sin that Peter committed? There. Dishonesty, because he lied, and cowardice, right? Those were two sins. But what is the root sin? You see, it's a spiritual internal sin before it becomes an external sin. It starts in the heart first. Jesus asked him, do you love me more than this? What was Jesus trying to do? Jesus was trying to get him to denounce something. He, 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 he said, Peter, don't you see that your lying was really your pride coming through? Because you're afraid of what other people would think of you? Your cowardice was just a lack of humility? Your, your problem, the foundation of your life was this competitiveness that, that you, you, you thought you are better than other people. That you are more loyal than other people. You are more honest than other people. You are more upright than other people. That's, your, that's the foundation of your life. Don't you see that I, Jesus, was not, is not the foundation of your life? Jesus was trying to get Peter to get to the point to see that this was the main problem. That the heart of sin was man's desire to play God, to push God away from the center of our lives to the margin of our, of our life. All sins is denying Christ. It's like, I want to be my own boss. God, you stay there. I'll call you when I need you. But don't go away because I need you sometime. Rest of the time, I'm in charge. But when I have a problem, God, please come. That is denying Christ. Sin is self-centeredness. Sin is living for ourselves. 
Dr. Tim Keller, one of my, one of my heroes, uh, he shared this illustration once. He said he was counselling a young woman. And this young woman was very bitter and very angry because she was fired by her boss. And then through the counselling, halfway through, she realised one day that the reason for her bitterness was that her career was much more important to her than God. She began to realise that and, say, and she, she had self-awareness that no wonder I was so mad at my boss because I wanted to save myself through my work. My work was my self-worth. And when she realised that, she had no issue, no problem forgiving her boss. Expose the tumour. After you expose the tumour, what do you do? Remove the tumour. Wow, now all of you can do surgery already. Open up, expose, remove. Right? <laughs> How do you remove the tumour? Through the power of grief. Godly repentance. See, Peter was grieved. Peter was grieved not because Jesus was so chong asking the third time again and again the same question. Peter was grieved because he was repenting. Each time he knew that Jesus, Peter, Jesus was bringing him through the journey. And the third time he knew that, God, you know everything. You know I love you. See, there are two types of repentance. Let's read this together. This is very important. Let's read this loud and clear. One, two, three, go. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Paul wrote this. And when Paul wrote this, he was trying to tell us, when you grieve in the wrong way, it actually doesn't solve anything. It makes things worse. What is this? Grieving, are you grieving over yourself or are you grieving over your Savior? Are you feeling sorry for yourself or are you sorry for the consequence to God? For grieving God. i give you an example. Okay? A cheating husband. Sorry, uh, I use husband, but same. Uh, okay? Cheating husband found out. Wife wants to divorce, wants to leave him. Husband says sorry. Husband, oh, I, I'll repent. I'll, I'll, I'll end the, the affair. I'll, I'll come back to you. Okay. The wife said, okay, since you say sorry, I'll come back to you. Problem solved, right? No. A few months later, same thing happened. Why? Because when you are repenting, when you are repenting because of the consequence to yourself, okay, it is basically like saying, you know, it's so mafan. My, my wife's going to leave me. You know, I'm going through a divorce. I have to pay uh, your legal fees, uh, you know, alimony, uh, split the, 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 the house. Uh, what, what, you know, my reputation in town will, take, will be tarnished, so on and so forth. Very mafan. Sorry, uh, sorry. Or is it, I'm so sorry I've hurt you. I'm so sorry I've hurt you. That is, true repentance. So, I want to ask you, are you sorry grieving over yourself? Because if you grieve over yourself, it will only lead to temporary changes. And you will likely repeat after the consequences have cleared. 
But if you grieve over God, what you what your what your misdeeds, what your failures, what your mess up is causing to God, you get permanent liberation. Because when you look at what your sin is costing you, it's only self-pity. But if you look at how your sin is hurting Christ, that leads to true repentance. Because worldly repentance, it's out of fear of rejection. What will other people think? You know, so, so, so. But godly repentance, because you know you've been accepted. You've been accepted by a Christ that has gone to the cross to die for you. You are loved. And when you realize that, when you are loved, you, you repent because you know you have been loved, not because of anything else. You, 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 you repent because you know you're grieving the one who loved you so much. That's godly repentance. When you take your sin to the cross, your repentance will make God's grace even more incredible, even more you, you feel it even more precious. I, I share this next part with a humble heart. Second time round, it's still as difficult. I thought it would be easier, but it's not. God is not finished with me. But I pray that it will, this will resonate and give you the same hope that God works through Peter and lesser men like this that you too can find healing when you go back to God. I have many, many flaws and not really a nice person to live with. Anyone who lives with me long enough or work with me long enough will find that out. Just ask my family. One of these is my quick temper. And my family were frequently at the receiving end of this outburst. And, you know, they were even witness and be embarrassed of some of my public outbursts. And when my boys were young, in fact, when, even when they were not so young, there were many times I would literally shout and scream at them. Shout. Sometimes at my wife. Although I have never physically hurt them, you know, it would have been terrifying for, for anyone, let alone a small child, to be facing a father like that. It was like I, I changed from a Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde, you know, in an instant. You know, I, my dark side just take over and I say and do things that I'm not proud of. Not proud of. And then when I have cooled down, I would always feel so bad and ashamed of myself. Why did I behave like that? You know, what, what was I so angry about that, you know, when I cool down, it seems so trivial. <laughs> what, what damage have I done to my boys, to my wife? Maybe I have an undiagnosed psychiatric condition. <laughs> Maybe I should, I should just resign from church. Lah. I mean, don't be a pastor. Lah. I mean, how can pastor behave like this? And every time I will resolve to do better, I would say sorry to everyone. My son, my wife, God. If I kick the cat, the cat. It will be fine for a while. Until the next time. And again. 
That's why I said I've stopped counting my roosters as well at some point. Then one day, God showed me the root problem. I, I can't remember exactly when, but when it came, the revelation just made it make sense. And I knew it was from God because I could never have figured this out on my own. God showed me a big part of my anger was because of the old enemy, pride. Why? When I was reading these passages on Peter's failure, God again showed me that I'm no different from Peter. See, I've always had this confidence in myself. Some people are like very gung-ho on this guy, you know. I, 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 I have pride, I, I have pride in my abilities. So like Peter, I think subconsciously, I'm also thinking that I'm better, I'm more important than others. And I can tell you being a doctor doesn't help at all. Okay. So when I don't get my way, or when others don't follow what I say, I get offended. I even feel rejected. I told my wife one day that I feel rejected. I mean, it's like, makes no sense, but I feel rejected. It's like, how dare you not do what I say? You know, that's actually pride talking. And I also started noticing it in other parts of my life. You know, the impatience. How dare you make me wait? Okay? Especially at a coffee shop. Oh. <laughs> the indignance when others mess up. How dare you don't follow my instruction properly? Huh? The ungratefulness. It's only their job. Ma. They, they, you know, it's, it's their job anyway. Oh, and this comparing my accomplishment with others. But this is another entire sermon altogether, maybe one day. <laughs> I have become the center of my life, not God. My self-worth comes from how much importance people give to me. My self-worth depends on what other people think of me. I deserve the respect. You know, I, I probably will get angry at God too if He doesn't do what I say. When I realized this was actually pride manifesting through the prayer, you know, I, I realized that I was not just harming myself, my family, I was grieving God. But you know, knowing is one thing and repenting is another thing. It took me a long time. Taking responsibility was painful. Nobody likes to admit that they're wrong one. After a long struggle, after many outbursts, I, I somehow was able to bring it to the Lord and deal with it. I started to confess and I surrender, I repent. All my pride, all my self-importance to God, just give it back to God. You know, amazingly, amazingly, every time He will meet me at my fireplace, at my beach, every time He will meet with me. Every single time. He will impart His grace and His forgiveness. Like He did with Peter. Has my pride gone away completely? Not by a long shot. It is a journey in progress. However, now I know the enemy. You see, repentance is unmasking the sin 
so that it has no more power over you. When you see the sin for what it is, it actually loses 90% of its power hold on you. When you repent and you expose the sin, it loses its power on you. That is why repentance is so powerful. I still need to constantly go back to God to repent. Even yesterday, it happened again. But with every confrontation, every experiencing God's forgiveness, I think it's happening a lot less now. I checked with my family. They also said, yeah, a bit less now. <laughs> Hopefully, my family will find me a slightly person to live with and I don't grow alone. <laughs> Joking. They will always be with me. <laughs> then, wow, Jesus completed Peter's healing by recommissioning him. It was so amazing. You see, Peter was told by Jesus, because you were the greatest failure, you can be the best leader through repentance. Why? Because you, through your failure, you have wisdom. You have perspective. You have the insight no one else can have if they haven't failed. When you plunge your failure into my grace, that is when I can work with it. That is when I can pull you up from zero to hero. That I can build you up from a failure to the greatest leader. When you plunge your failure into my grace. This is the Japanese art of kintsuki. Literally, it means go, kin, and repair, suki. It is what they do with broken ceramics. They repair the ceramics, the broken ceramics, they glue them together with lacquer and gold, and they leave a gold seam where the cracks were. It makes something new from a broken vessel. Look at that. The imperfection, the cracks, the golden cracks, they are there every time you look at it. It's not hidden. It's there. But they are what transform the golden, the broken ceramics, the crack pot. <laughs> We're all crack pots. The crack pot into beautiful, new, even stronger vessels. Look at that. It looks even prettier and more beautiful than before it's cracked. Right? You see, in contrast to my story, some of you may have more spectacular failures, but we are not here to compare failures. The critical point is this, that when you come to Jesus, no matter how broken you are, no matter how messed up you are, God is eager to do His kintsuki work on you. God is eager, waiting for you to come and do His work on you so that He can use you through your failures, so that when you are weak, He is strong so that He can use your failures and turn it into His glory. But He can only do that when you come to Him, no matter how broken and how messed up you are. But there is one final key in Peter's transformation. It's you need to face 
your failures. You need to get healing. But this last step is what makes Peter soar. S-O-A-R. What makes Peter truly free. You see, Jesus told Simon that, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you, but I have prayed for you. That prayer there means intercede. That prayer there means I have spoken for you. I have advocated for you. I have spoken, I have stood up to defend you in the heavenly court. And when we who come to Jesus, okay, we also have an advocate like Peter. Jesus is our advocate, uh, our defense lawyer. Okay? And can we read the next uh, verse? Because this is really important. One, two, three, go. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everybody knows this verse. If you don't, you should. Okay? But when you think of this verse, you confess our sin, then Jesus will go and speak to the Father and to ask the Father to forgive you. So when I was a younger Christian, this is what I thought. Nah. You know, Jesus is our defense lawyer. And you speak to the judge. Uh, judge, Father, it's John again. Okay, I, I know he's messed up many times, but can you uh, give him one more chance? Ah? Can, you, can you like, just pity, look at my face. Ah, I come so many times. You, you, can you just give him one more chance so that John can go on with his life? You read that verse again and it says, He is faithful and just. Just. It didn't say He is faithful and mercy, merciful. Faithful and just. So basically, Jesus was not asking for mercy. He was asking for justice. It actually goes something like this. Judge, I know John has messed up again. And I know that he sinned. But God, I have paid for his sin. I have paid for his sin. So in law, you cannot expect exert two payments for the same sin. I have paid. I paid everything. That's our defense lawyer. That is a watertight case. And that is what it means. Jesus asked for justice. God is just. God is faithful and just. He was not asking for mercy. He, because He, he has clothed us with His righteousness when He went to the cross for us. He has crossed us with His righteousness so that now we are the righteousness of God. What does that mean if you're sitting down there? So many righteousness, the word. It means this. We are now spotless and blameless in front of God. Everything is paid for. Jesus has paid for it. What does that mean? It means now there is no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ. And when we truly understand this, we are set free. Just like Peter. Peter was not only healed. Peter was set free. Set free from what? 
set free from our past, from his past, from the shackles of guilt. It doesn't matter what you've done or how messy you were. When you come to Jesus, set free. True freedom. Set free. The world, the bondage of human opinion. You know, when Stephen, the Apostle Stephen, was stoned to death, before he was stoned to death, he saw a vision. In his vision, Acts chapter 7, last part of Acts 7, read it. He saw a vision, the Holy Spirit enabled him to see this. He saw a vision, God and Jesus standing at the right hand side. That signifies Jesus' righteousness of God. When you have Jesus, you have the righteousness of God. Why did the Holy Spirit allow him to see that? It was this. God is telling Stephen, the divine verdict in heaven is much, much more important than any human verdict on earth. When you are right with God, it doesn't matter. That is why Stephen could say, as he stoned him to death, how many of us can say that? Forgive them. Forgive them. You are free to be what God destined you to be. Because the enemy cannot hold you back. God can use you to be like Peter. From, the, from a failure to the greatest leader in church. Greatest witness for God's glory. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. If you don't know Jesus with His true freedom, if you've never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I invite you, no, I beg you actually to, to consider this today, to, to, to accept Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. That is the difference between heaven and hell for you. Eternity for you. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have that relationship, but you want that true freedom, this is your day. In a short while, I'm going to lead the church in a prayer. And if that's you, pray together with the church. Ready? Dear Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for dying on the cross for me and rose again three days later to pay for my sin. Lord, today, I want to invite you to be my Lord and my Savior, to come into my life and walk with me for eternity. In your most precious name, I pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by the message, share this podcast with a friend or family member and check out our previous episodes. Thanks for tuning in.